It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A high school vocational instructor has been chosen to fill a vacancy on the Sitka Assembly for one year. Tim Pike comes to the table with years' experience teaching at Sitka High School and leadership of the local teachers' union. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. Pike's appointment Tuesday night came after two rounds of voting by the Assembly, some of whose members initially favored other candidates. Their task was to replace member Dave Miller, who resigned earlier this month with two years left on his term. Four people applied to replace him, including former Assembly members Richard Wien and Benjamin Miyasato, along with Carol Voison and Tim Pike. Sitka High School American government teacher Howard Wayne put his support behind Pike. He said Pike, who teaches career and technical education at the high school, was the right person to help guide plans to build a marine haul-out at the Gary Paxton Industrial Park in its early stages. Um, he and knows intimately the details of a lot of these jobs that would be starting out there at a haul-out facility or shipbuilding facility. And uh, it just seems like it's important to have a real optimistic person that Um, could help guide this project. I have voted for him on many occasions as an educator. He's represented me and my colleagues uh, over the years many times, and I find him respectful, um, incredibly creative, very, very thoughtful. He does his homework. I mean, he's somebody that when he speaks, um, he has put a lot of thought into what he's going to say. Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis agreed. I find him to be a problem solver. I think this assembly needs that. Um, I find that he has a vast amount of knowledge and he speaks with few words. And when he does speak, those words carry impact. And I'm appreciative of that. And I've been appreciative of that for many years working with him on school board level issues. But it quickly became clear that the assembly would split its vote on Miller's replacement. Crystal Duncan said she'd support Carol Voison, who provided the most detailed letter of interest. So I saw the letter of interest as an opportunity to sell why that seat belongs to you. And I tried, I I felt like that might be the most fair. And so based off of that, um, new to the community, but involved in the community, I think I'm going to support Carol in this first round of votes just because she detailed out three pages of what she's seen at the table, what she brings to the table, kind of what her background is. And Rebecca Hemshute said she put together a rubric and scored each candidate. Her top scorer was Ben Miyasato. I've worked with Tim a lot more. And um, I would like to see him on this body, if not now, another time. I think that he will be a real asset to the community. Um, but my top score went to Ben Myasato. And, and part of that had to do with the diversity of experience he would bring and the fact that he's a, a prior assembly member, so he can hit the ground running. There was also some public support for former assembly member Richard Wien, who ran for one of two open seats in early October, but placed third with just over 900 votes. The assembly's first vote wasn't conclusive. Hemshoot voted for Miyasato, Duncan for Voison, and Chris Yastad for Richard Wien. Kevin Mosher, Stephen Eisenbeis, and Tor Christensen each voted for Pike. The second time around, Duncan and Yastad switched their votes to Pike, but Hemshoot's vote remained the same. With five votes, Pike was affirmed as Sitka's newest assembly member, and municipal clerk Sarah Peterson immediately administered the oath of office. Pike didn't comment on his appointment at the meeting. 
He'll serve in his appointed role on the assembly until next October's municipal election. Then voters will decide who will finish the final year of Miller's term. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Sitka has been awarded over $7.8 million in federal grant money to reconstruct the sheet pile bulkhead and crane at the Marine Services Center. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it approved a 20% match for the funding, which the Assembly greenlit when they applied for the grant. However, Municipal Administrator John Leach said the match amount now was slightly higher than the $1.2 million they'd initially estimated. Basically, it comes out to about 2.1 million is the uh, is the match we're going to be looking for now because the staff time uh, on management of uh, and administration of that grant uh, is not going to be an allowable expense coming from existing city staff, and we estimated that to be about 16 hours of work per week. So this is essentially um, building that that in so we can charge this uh, uh, charge that work towards this this project. According to a memo presented to the Assembly, the steel sheet pile retaining wall was originally constructed in 1976, and over the years, several different methods have been installed to reduce corrosion of the piling, but it is in need of an overhaul. The land the cold storage building sits on is held up by the wall as well. Assemblymember Tor Christensen congratulated city staff on winning the highly competitive federal raise grant. This is a need we've known about for years. Um, but we just couldn't figure out how to pay for it. And so I think John and his staff deserve a pat on the back for going out and getting this grant and preserving, you know, a very important part of our working waterfront. The Assembly unanimously approved the $2.1 million in matching city funds, which will be split between the Harbor Fund and the Marine Service Center Fund. Southeast Alaska's summer season for Dungeness crab was worth about $10 million less than last year. As Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, the shortfall was due to a combination of a much lower harvest and a smaller price per pound. State managers closed Southeast's Dungeness summer fishery two weeks early by emergency order because of low harvest numbers. It's been five years since the last time that's happened. This summer season harvest was just under 1.3 million pounds, nearly 2 million pounds less than last year. Along with the lower harvest was a corresponding drop in value. This year the fishery was worth less than $4 million. Last year it was over $13 million. Biologist Joe Stratman manages the fishery for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. He says there are a number of factors that could lead to a fluctuating harvest. Fishermen this summer noted colder water temperatures at the start of the season and tides of over 20 feet. These details matter because managers set the season length according to the first week's harvest. Stratman says it could be those factors or just fewer legal-sized crab available. It's also very possible that it was just a smaller cohort of crab uh, recruiting into the fishery this year than we've seen in, in recent seasons. This year's price was $2.96 per pound. That's about average for a Dungeness crab over the last decade, but it's much lower than last year's $4.21 a pound, the highest price ever paid. On top of that, there was a much higher harvest last year at just over 3 million pounds. Most southeast Dungeness fishermen also participate in the fall season, which opened October 1st, and will run through November for most areas. Closing the summer season early usually means that the fall season will also be cut short. But there is an exception, and it happened this summer, and that's a lot of soft-shelled crab. 
As crab molt and replace their shells for larger ones, they contain less meat and bring less money. If there are a lot of soft-shelled crab in a shortened summer season, then the fall can go the full two-month length. This year, dockside sampling indicated 28% soft-shell crab, which is enough to allow a full fall season. Managers try to plan crab fisheries around molting, but it's a tricky business with weather, temperatures, and tides. What did seem to be consistent this summer was the overall slow fishing. I would say probably from most of the people I heard from, they weren't seeing much of anything in the pots. And a lot of people thought, well, you know, we're starting on really big tides, we're starting on cold water, things are going to get better. But it sounded like in a lot of the region, things didn't get better. They stayed relatively the same. 189 permit holders fished southeast summer indigenous fishery. The area that saw the most harvest was near Petersburg and Wrangell, followed by Stevens Passage near Juneau, then the Frederick Sound area. Stratman says some areas were notably low. Some fishermen, um, particularly in the northern part of the region, didn't see much of anything this season. The fall Dungeness crab fishery will run through November and most of southeast. A few areas stay open through February. Reporting in Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Governor Mike Dunleavy has requested federal disaster declarations for two Alaska crab fisheries after their populations crashed. The governor requested expedited disaster designations to jumpstart the process of sending money to fishermen in both the 2022 Bering Sea snow crab and Bristol Bay Red King crab fisheries, citing the complete closure of both this season. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game announced earlier this month that the Bering Sea snow crab fishery will not open for the first time in its history. Dunleavy also requested a disaster declaration for last year's Bristol Bay Red King Crab Fishery, which will remain closed the second year in a row this season. In a letter to U.S. Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo dated Friday, Dunleavy blamed, quote, warming ocean temperatures for the collapse of both Bering Sea crab stocks and said the closures would be a $287 million hit to Alaska's economy in seafood landings alone. In a press release Wednesday, Alaska Bering Sea Crabbers Executive Director Jamie Gowen said that total economic losses to supporting industries, workers, and coastal communities would likely be hundreds of millions of dollars more than that. Goins also said that closures represent a, quote, defining moment in U.S. fisheries management, end quote, and that financial relief will likely take years to reach fishermen even with the expedited disaster requests. King crab numbers have been on the decline for years, and snow crab stocks in the Bering Sea crashed between the years 2018 and 2021. Researchers don't know exactly what happened, but they believe warmer ocean conditions caused by climate change is a main driver of the snow crab's population decline. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.